It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Any other questions, guys? Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Have a great night. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 642 of Locked on Raptors for Thursday, January 16th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked on Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you're checking out the Locked on Podcast Network. where We have team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams, all 32 NFL teams, including the four teams contesting the championship games in the NFC and AFC this weekend. So if you're a Packers, 49ers, Titans, or Chiefs fan, make sure you're checking out the corresponding Locked On shows to get ready for that. I'm sure there'll be lots of crossover content as well on the go for you. If you're a hockey fan, we got almost the entire NHL network covered as of right now. We have 28 of 31 teams as well as a fantasy and national show for you to check out if you are a fan of the Pucks. And... We have a college network, too, as things pivot towards college basketball now, as the national championship wrapped up over the weekend or on Monday or whenever it was. I don't care. I didn't watch it. But uh, if you do care about college sports, we have the Locked On College channel for you. Make sure you're checking it out on the road to March Madness, which is just a couple months away now. Uh, all right. On today's show, it is myself going solo as the Toronto Raptors are coming off a 130-121 win over the Oklahoma City Thunder in OKC last night. What a fun-ass game this was. It was stupid at times, it was frustrating, but it kind of, it got both of the sort of best parts of being a fan of a team into one game. On one hand, you got just like the arrogant glee that you kind of feel when your team is beating the piss out of an opposing team, and that happened in the first half as the Raptors were up 73-43 at one point, and were absolutely rolling with Marcus Saul back in the lineup, looking healthy, and it was a blast. Second half, less clean for the Raptors as the Thunder kind of got themselves back into it. Danilo Gallinari was awesome. Dennis Schroeder was awesome for some reason. Shea Gilgis-Alexander was doing his regular slippery thing, and Chris Paul was kind of directing traffic the way Chris Paul does. And the Thunder got 
crazy hot from three and made it a real real game. Uh, you know, the Thunder are not a very good three-point shooting team. In this one, they were 15 of 27. Sorry, 16 of 42. The Raptors were 15 of 27. For the Thunder to put up 42 threes as the number 29 team in attempts is surprising on its own. Hitting 16 of them also is like the 22nd ranked team in three-point percentage is also pretty surprising. Um, and so they rode that hot shooting to a near comeback. Got to within, I think, three points at one point in the fourth quarter, and it was just like a blast of a game. You got that, the second part of that fun part of the fan experience, which is crunch time, and your team winning in crunch time. So, uh, multitudes to this game against the Thunder. It was a lot of fun, and uh, we should dive into some takeaways from that game, shall we? My biggest takeaway from this game, I think, is... First, it's sort of an overarching thing. Marcus Gasol's back in the lineup. Norm Powell's, Pascal Siakam back again. Both are very efficient last night. Combined to go 18 of 26 from the field. Gasol was 6 of 9. He had 15, 5, and 6. And it was just, like, lovely to see them all back and see what the Raptors are capable of when they have every one of their good players back in the lineup and available and whipping the ball around like savants. But the main thing I came away from this game thinking was, holy shit, Kyle Lowry was a god for those three weeks, and maybe we didn't even appreciate quite as much as we should have what he did to carry the Raptors to that 6-5 and five record while they had those three main guys out. Obviously, Fred Van Vliet's missed some time here too, but just the way Lowry carried it, the way Lowry was able to be an offense unto himself at times and, you know, work that Abaka Lowry pick and roll with very little spacing around him to still scrape by enough to go six and five with a ragtag squad of dudes who, you know, I think deserve a lot of credit for the work they did and sort of playing over their heads between Rondé and Matt Thomas for a couple games and Malcolm Miller in a couple games and even Stanley Johnson and obviously Chris Boucher and O'Shea Brissett. Like those guys were really impressive when they when they were called into action, and even Patrick McCaw had some moments. We'll get to Patrick McCaw later in a less positive light, but it just the way Lowry sort of carried that group of dudes is really impressive. And for me, I couldn't stop thinking about that. Seeing all of the good players on the floor and Lowry having people who were sort of up to his standards and seeing what's possible when that's the case, it was uh, it was it was eye opening to what Lowry did while those guys were not available. So big shouts to Kyle Lowry as always. That is your Kyle Lowry appreciation minute for this Thursday. Apart from Kyle Lowry and his greatness, the other sort of takeaway from this game was that it was just this team is really fucking good. <laughs> like They have a lot of really good players who, in concert, really come up with a wonderful product. I mean, there were more excellent, beautiful, you know, five-touch possessions in that first quarter last night as the Raptors got out to a great start. I think it was 38-25 after one. There were more great possessions in that quarter than pretty much the entire stretch without those guys in the lineup. And, you know, the way Gasol ties everything together, and he's probably the sort of main catalyst here, it just, it's remarkable, and it kind of did the exact same thing that happened last season when the team was disjointed and not really cohesive in its vision for what the offense wanted to look like, and then Gasol comes in, and it's like, okay, this all makes sense. Got it. They're they're really good, and they're, they're passing, and they're movement-based, and Gasol's the facilitator that ties it all together. And seeing Gasol out there last night, you know, 32 minutes right out of the gate, he looked like he was like 28 years old. I think the time off probably did him more good than bad, uh, considering how like the the hangover was still very clearly hanging over him from the Rosé summer and winning the, the, the World Cup with Spain and playing deep into the summer. 
you know, I think the time off, kind of like what happened with Fred last year, where Fred had the back injury, he picked up the thumb injury or the wrist injury or whatever it was, missed a lot of time, and then came back and was like spry and quick and mobile again for the first time in months. And that kind of seemed like the case for Gasol last night. He was like eager to post up. He took five shots from inside the three-point arc, more than he took from three, which is remarkable and completely out of character for him this season. Uh, He hit three of his four threes anyway, and the threes he was stepping into were like emphatic it's like he's been watching Terrence Davis for three weeks from the bench and learning how to step into a three with with oomph and he did it and I I think the the Gasol factor it just makes everything so much easier for everybody else he does he gets to carry a lot of the sort of legwork for Siakam and Lowry and OG and sort of set them up and get them into places that makes it beneficial for them and places where they can exploit advantages and he creates so many advantages just with his brain and having that ball up at the elbow and being able to sort of survey the floor and the Raptors able to run stuff off of him and having Kyle Lowry able to run around off the ball as well is such a valuable thing as good as he is running the offense I mean to diversify is never a bad thing and we saw that last night the Raptors are such a more diverse offense when you have Gasol in there because he opens up this whole other catalog of plays and and sets that they just didn't have access to when he wasn't there and then you know, I think the really interesting thing that Nurse did in this game was he ran Gasol a lot with the bench units which has always been a thing that's kind of worked I think thinking back to his very first game with the Raptors when he came in uh, they were playing against the Knicks in New York and you know the he ran the bench with like Norm and Fred Van Vliet and it was really really nice looking and then Fred got hurt in that game and it kind of you know put all that to shit for a little while but he was just, you know, the way he can kind of set guys up and take the burden off everybody else, and you can run your offense in an unorthodox fashion, sort of like the Nuggets do with Nikola Jokic, where it's just like, all right, big dude, take the ball, and you sort of run point from up top. You're not walking the ball up the floor necessarily, but you're getting it as soon as we get into our half-court offense, and you're going to be deciding what the sort of sequence of events is. And Gasol did that really, really well, and I think the times in this game that Gasol really Sean were the ones where you know he was great in the first quarter with the starters obviously but I think there was a stretch late in the third quarter where things were teetering a little bit Serge Ibaka was playing at center and you know Gasol came in to play with kind of a ragtag crew I think it was Davis OG McCaw and Powell there was not a traditional point guard out there and it was still, it worked, and Gasol made it happen, and he was running the offense, took the burden off of McCaw. Again, we'll get to McCaw in a bit. And the way that Gasol was able to sort of settle all that down, his defense is so noticeable as well. Didn't have a block in this game, but he had a steal, and you know his verticality around the rim is just so... It's just so impressive, and I have to imagine, too, just with Gasol's cachet in the league, it's probably a little bit beneficial to have him sort of going up in those verticality situations as opposed to, say, you know, Chris Boucher or even Serge Ibaka um, or O'Shea Brissett, these guys who, you know, might be a little bit more foul-prone. That probably helps the Raptors out a little bit with the whistle, just with reputation and stuff like that, which is another sort of unspoken value add that Gasol brings. And, I mean, but at the same time, he's not fouling much when he does that shit anyway. He's just standing there tall and putting his arms up for the most part and maybe jumping an inch off the ground and it's just so much it just was you know I know the Thunder scored 121 points in this game it got unseasonably hot from outside but inside it was difficult for them and Gasol was a big reason why that was the case so really wonderful return for Gasol 
And I just, I'm salivating thinking about what this can look like with Fred VanVleet in there too. And those two have always had a pretty good connection. If you can run a bench unit, for example, with Gasol and VanVleet and maybe take those guys out early and have them work together or Lowry and Gasol, the two savants playing together. I mean, there's lots of possibilities now. And that was a really interesting thing we saw last night too from Nick Nurse is I don't think there were any lineups that had more than three bench guys in it. And there was always a couple starters sort of offsetting. And, you know, a couple of those lineups were still pretty rough, and McCaw in particular did not have himself a very good game. He was a minus five in a game the Raptors won by nine and was the worst on the team, and that's not surprising to me at all. And, you know, again, we'll get to McCaw in a second. I keep teasing this, like, segment of doom when we talk about Patrick McCaw. Um, But in terms of the bench lineups that Nurse rolled out there, it was not the same bench units, the five-man weirdo no-offense looks that he was running out when they were hurt. Obviously, that's not going to be the case anymore. I'm a little surprised that he, you know, deviated from it so quickly, considering on Sunday after the Spurs game, he said, this is our second unit for now until the minutes restrictions are off these guys. And, you know, I guess bringing... Gasol in and kind of changed that and so the bench unit is no longer uh, you know going to be taking up big chunks of the game they're not going to have five reserves out there it seems Chris Boucher was cut out of the rotation Matt Thomas as well and that's going to happen same with O'Shea Brissett and so uh, I mean it's ultimately a good thing and it's an interesting thing that Nurse did because I, I didn't think he would really go with that I know that was what he did in, early in the season but it seems for some reason that he likes these kooky bench lineups and I wrote about those again for Raptors HQ if you want to go read my piece on it it's probably not very fresh anymore considering they're not using that lineup anymore but you never know if things get weird again with injuries they'll probably have to bust it out again either way I I thought Nurse did a good job of staggering those lineups and you know Gasol especially with those bench looks really helps because he you know firms up the back end and offers some more playmaking to a lineup that really is kind of bereft of it outside of some rudimentary stuff from Terrence Davis and the odd nice little flourish from Patrick McCaw who had five assists in this game I don't really know how. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, All right, let's now get into the negative stuff as it pertains to Patrick McCaw. (sighs) It's my other big takeaway from this game last night is that the badness of McCaw and the degree to which he is not on the, the, the plane of the rest of the guys on this team, it's really amplified when all of the guys are healthy. 25 minutes for him last night was just too much, and all of the segments of the game where things really teetered were segments where Patrick McCaw was in the late third quarter after a really sort of rickety start to the third, uh, you know, kind of played even a little bit. In the middle of the quarter, McCaw came in, and things really spiraled out of control there for a second until Gasol came in and settled things down, got them into the fourth quarter, I think leading by 14, and, you know, McCaw was still out there, and they really, really milked that bench unit, too, and this was another sort of interesting nurse thing where he ran the bench lineup that finished the third quarter that I referred to earlier deep into the the, the fourth quarter as well, like five or six minutes, I think, you know, hoping to buy Kyle Lowry some rest, which he did. Lowry only played 33 minutes in this game, which is a freaking miracle compared to what he's been playing. Uh, leading up to this stretch here now that they're finally healthy and so that's good in a vacuum but I did think it kind of put the Raptors in a weird position where 
you know, Makah was out there a lot, first of all, that's not a good thing. And then when those lineups did eventually switch over and, and Makah came out and the bench came out and most of the starters came back in, Gasol was gassed because he had played like eight straight minutes or whatever it was. And it had to be Ibaka to come in and then Ibaka nearly sort of choked it away too because he had a pretty rough finish to the game after going six of six in the first quarter, finished seven of 11. Uh, he served his purpose for sure, but it was not it just wasn't the the thing the Raptors needed late in that game, and Gasol eventually came back in for the last three or four minutes, I think, after getting a bit of a breather, um, and I think Nurse, if he had his druthers, maybe go back and sort of rework that fourth quarter rotation a little bit to not run Gasol so long, but I've gotten off track. My main point here is that McCaw on the floor, it, it's just, it's a recipe for disaster, man. He just, he does not have the same IQ, he does not have the same playmaking ability, he does not have the same handle as a guy that, you know, figures to fit in with uh, with this other group of guys, this group of seven that Nick Nurse trusts so much, and for some reason it's a group of eight inv- involving McCaw, and, you know, especially contrasted with what Terrence Davis did in this game, where he had 12 points, he was five of eight, he hit two threes, he had seven boards, which again is just so valuable to come from your guard spots. And, you know, the the times where McCaw was out there, it was just a nightmare. Davis was a plus 18 in this game and continues to be the leader in net rating on the team. And I would hope that this game, after the late game turnover from McCaw, where he completely coughed it up in the backcourt um, and led to a, a thunder bucket and and just like the, the constant... Just the lack of anything he, that he does. The things that he does are... Like, I know there are subtle things he does. I know Nick Nurse is an idiot. I know there are things that McCaw does that are useful in the fact that he's a good defender. He's a good guard defender. He makes things happen on defense. He gets deflections. Sure, that's good. But on offense, he's such a nothing. And he's so not a concern for the opposing defense and it just bleeds into everybody else's space on the floor and you're just you know Pascal Siakam seeing very quick double teams and you know there's just not a lot of space for Marcus Hall to pick out because you know everyone's crowding away from Patrick McCaw and I just I don't know how much longer you can keep this going and I know it's become like a meme almost the you know Nick Nurse even acknowledges it himself like it's literally said the words, you know how I feel about Patrick, in sort of a passing, jokey fashion. And it's just, it's it can't go anymore, man. He's just, he's bad. He's really bad. He's very clearly worse than Terrence Davis, even though Davis is playing significantly fewer minutes, but doing way more in the minutes that he gets. I know there's sort of a tough love thing going on between Nurse and Davis because Davis does make some mistakes. He had three fouls in 17 minutes. He picks up cheap fouls. He makes silly turnovers at times. But at the same time, he's making that back on the offensive end in a way that McCaw is never going to make up for his errors when he's, you know, turning the ball over or, you know, just standing and doing nothing because he doesn't do anything on offense. He can't make that up. And there's not enough defensive plays in the world for him to make up what he's doing on the offensive end and the sort of negative impact he's having on the health of the offense when he's out there. And so my hope is that this game against the Thunder was sort of the last straw and as Fred VanVleet comes back, you know, Nick Nurse said before the game yesterday that he would expect him to play in one, if not both, of the games this weekend. The, the Wizards Friday and then the Wolves on uh, on Sunday. It seems pretty easy. The 25 minutes McCaw played last night, just take some of those away from McCaw, or take all of them away from McCaw, give them all to Fred, and then redisperse a little bit around from the rest of the guys. And, and, you know, this was a game that exhibited the balance the Raptors can have. There was only one guy who played more than 35 minutes. OG played 39, and he deserved it because he played like a monster. He was 8 of 13. He had 21, 5 and 5. Give me OG all day when he's playing like that. 
But, you know, you had other guys in this lineup. You had 29 minutes for Ibaka, 30 for Siakam, 32 Gasol, 33 Lowry. You know, there's a way to sort of divvy this all up and keep it even and balanced and just take those minutes for McCaw, give him to Fred, have him be the second unit sort of orchestrator, maybe take him off the bench, have him play 25 to 30 minutes, and then you're balanced and you're not playing Patrick McCaw. It's a pretty easy solution. I, I will give Nick the benefit of the doubt until he doesn't do it because it just feels like such an obvious change whenever Fred does get back with the way Terrence Davis has played. I know he's had a couple stinkers in the last week, but he's also had a couple bangers in the last week. And so, you know, and that's more you can say for more than you can say for Patrick McCaw. And, and so I will hold judgment back until Friday or Saturday whenever Fred gets back. And if Fred gets back and McCaw is taken from the lineup and is no longer part of this trusted eight and Davis has replaced him, great. I also think there's a real chance that potentially Davis gets booted from the from the rotation because of Fred, and it's just sort of been the pattern, and I don't know what it's going to take for McCaw to lose the trust of Nurse. I don't know if it's going to take an exposing of the nudes he has of Nick Nurse. I don't know exactly how McCaw's trust is, is like, how the rope is going to get reeled in, but... It would feel it really feels like that game against the Thunder, where it was very clear as soon as Gasol came in to settle things down in crunch time and took McCaw out, and Powell came in as well. You know, as soon as that happened, the Raptors were fine. They won by nine. The crunch time was not all that much of a of, of an arduous thing. You know, Pascal Siakam and Kyle Lowry traded off. They scored a couple big buckets and sort of had that closing duo type of energy, which was really nice and sort of an interesting sort of wrinkle that we haven't seen a lot because Kyle has not taken the closing burden on too much, but maybe he sort of added that instinct a little bit. But, you know, it's just it was so plainly clear that once McCaw was off the floor, the Raptors were fine. And I just... Maybe we're putting too much on McCaw. Maybe there's other guys who have blame to share. And I mean, Ibaka definitely does. Ibaka was not good in that fourth quarter. He was getting beat on the glass. He was getting, uh, you know, he was missing some bunnies. He was, you know, making silly turnovers. He had four turnovers in this game. But for the most part, it's just it's so clear that McCaw is the weak link here. And still, the 25 minutes, the 20 on Sunday, I, I don't really get it. And I again, I was kind of getting talked into it a little bit by Nick Nurse during the time where everyone was hurt because McCaw looked a little bit better because there weren't good players around him. But when there are good players around him, it's just so amplified how out of his depth he is. So uh, that's a concern. I, I, I would hope that Nurse will address it and sort of get wise and take his brain pills and figure out that this McCaw thing is an easy solution once Fred's back. But... I don't know. It's gone long enough that it's a little bit concerning now because it's just he doesn't seem to lose trust ever despite having a 52 true shooting percentage and taking like he's at 8.5 PER. And I know PER is not a stat that matters very much, but it does indicate that he does nothing when he's on the floor. He doesn't contribute production when he's on the floor. If your PER is half of what the league average is, that's not uh, a place you want to be. So like I normally like kind of let nurse do his thing without getting too critical because he's really, really good at his job. But this McCaw thing, it's just so plainly obvious. Please stop the madness. All right, I want to wrap this thing up a little bit by talking about Norman Powell in just a second. But first, let me tell you about my bookie. Are you the type of fan that knows football so well that you could choose any game and call it? Well, my bookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between the football playoffs, the NBA, and the start of the college basketball stretch drive, it's time to get off the sideline and get in on the action with my bookie. If you're the kind of person who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together 
together for a much bigger payout. Or if you want to get really crazy and do uncut gem style bet betting, you can do that too. Also a parlay, just a little bit more risky if you're betting tip-offs and stuff like that. Shouts to Uncut Gems, what a great movie. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag. That's what Howard should have done in Uncut Gems, because no one gives you more ways to win. Tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain? MyBookie wants you to get your mind off everything else and get back on the game. If you join right now, MyBookie's going to match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you're getting an extra 1000 bucks in free money to play with. Just use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA, all one word, to activate the offer. Once again, that's LOCKEDONNBA as the promo code to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, and you get paid. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, I want to wrap today's show up with a little bit of Norman Powell appreciation. He's been back two games. He's been lights out ever since he got back. He's been really lights out all season. It's been... A bit of a sort of renaissance season for Norm Powell, who's kind of always been this enigma. Is he a starter? Is he a bench player? What are his strengths? You know, is he ever going to be a good three-point shooter? A lot of the answers are yes to these questions for Norm. He's been excellent so far this year. 29 games played. He started 17, and he's made the best of pretty much every situation he's been put into. And coming off the bench last night, he led the way with 23 points, 9 of 11, 3 of 4 from deep. He's become basically a not-smug podcast-hosting version of J.J. Redick. He's, like, coming off of screens and pin-downs. He's, you know, the catch-and-shoot stuff early in transition possessions is incredible. And his driving game has just gotten so much more tight and refined. And, you know, he's not a playmaker, per se. He's only averaging 1.7 assists a game. He's not, you know, great when it comes to finding his his teammates. He's still averaging 1.6 turnovers a game. And so he's still sort of one-track-minded. But the way he's finishing through contact, it's not the one-track mind, all right, I'm going to go try to finish lefty and usually throw it hard off the backboard and miss type of thing for Norm around the basket anymore. It is like really strong through contact finishes. He's sort of changing and contorting in the air. And he, you know, the reverse finishes are a pretty nice thing for him now that he has in his bag. And it's just become a lot more of a bit of a really fun grab bag of what Norm's going to do when he drives. It's not predictable at all. And, you know, the same when we're watching it and we, we can't predict what's going to happen. Defenses can't predict it either. And so that's just made him that much more effective. He's, you know, the three point shooting is absurd. He's at 40.8% right now. And it's just the second straight season at 40%. And pretty much any time he's been a starter, he's been around 40%. This might just be what he is now, and it's just a nice asset to have, and this sort of goes into the whole, you know, thing about this Raptors team this year coming in was, oh, well, these guys, they're not very good shooters, and there's not a lot of good shooters, but then you have Norm, who's kind of proven that he is one, and you've had Siakam prove that he is one, and you've had Gasol be a really good outside shooter, and everyone's kind of, you know, Terrence Davis becoming all of a sudden a 41% three-point shooter or whatever he's at, and all of a sudden, there are good shooters pretty much all over the floor outside of maybe Ronda Hellish Jefferson and Serge Ibaka. I mean, not maybe with Ronda, he's bad, um, but Ibaka this year has been 37% from three, so he's not even bad. You got McCaw whatever he'll hit his odd catch and shoot ones he's at around 34 
And it's just that this team becomes really hard to guard with all these guys out there. And you see the space that's breathed into the offense with Powell in there as opposed to, you know, Malcolm Miller or, you know, Chris Boucher or Stanley Johnson or all these guys and Patrick McCaw who have been forced to play a ton of minutes. It's just, it's really refreshing, man. Powell with the quick trigger, bit of a gunner, and that's exactly what this team needs. You need finishers when you're a team that's really built on guys who love to pass a lot and are sort of showy with their passing, and in particular Gasol. You need guys who are not afraid to finish and not afraid to never throw a pass and not afraid to finish with zero assists, as Norm did last night. And I'm just fully on the Norm 25 points, zero rebounds, zero assist train. It's kind of what's been going on lately when he's played, and it's been awesome to watch. And he's just, he's played himself into being a guy that I really don't think the Raptors can part with. It's, it's tough. You know, it's, it's, uh, I think Joe Wolfon and William Liu were talking about this on the Raptors over everything podcast this week and sort of what Powell's value is as a trade asset. Is he a negative asset? Which I think coming into the season, you would have said that he was because, you know, 10 million bucks seemed like quite a bit for a guy who was a bit of an inconsistent mystery. That's not really the case with him anymore. He's not a mystery. He's been consistent. He's been great and when he's played over the last you know couple months, really, um, with an injury obviously separating the two segments. And I was frankly worried that we'd see a reversion back to the old Norman Powell when he came out from injury. You know, that's kind of happened with him in the past where he's rolling, he gets hurt, and then he kind of has to start from scratch again. But he's just picked up where he left off, and now you look at the deadline and Norm is definitely the easiest contract to trade on the Raptors right now. I mean, if you're looking for big money, I guess Abaka's the one, but if you're looking for sort of a medium upgrade, Powell's contract at 10 million bucks or so is really easy to slide into the trade machine and help to make you match. You can throw it in with a couple of the smaller salary guys if you want to try to, you know, land a big bit of a bigger fish and swap some bodies for one. But, it, you know, Powell's he's kind of like Marcus Smart on the Celtics where it's, you know, it's a very easy trade, uh, like tradable contract that you can throw in. And then you're just ultimately going to be in all the trade rumors because of your contract and not really any other reason. And I just, I don't know if there's a player out there right now that they could afford to give up Powell for. He's been excellent and essential. And like, I know Bogdan Bogdanovich is a really interesting piece, but I kind of think Norm, is just as good. They're, they're good at different things, obviously. But if you're adding like a first round pick to Norm to get a Bogdan Bogdanovich who has no contract certainty beyond this year and he's a restricted free agent and signing him might end up, you know, bleeding into that 2021 cap space or it might end up, you know, not even with a signing because apparently Bogdan's fine just going back to Europe. It's been sort of the, the talk about him is, you know, he's, you're not just bidding against NBA teams with him, you're bidding against Europe. So, that's an interesting sort of wrinkle with that trade, which is the one that I've sort of circled as like, hey, if the Raptors can pull this off, that would be awesome because Bogdan's a bit of a more creative player, uh, a bit more of a playmaker than Powell and sort of offers the same defense and shooting, maybe a little bit more consistent defense, really. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know, Powell with two more years before a player option in his final season, if he keeps playing like this, he's going to deny that player option in 2021, and that won't be a burden on your cap anyway. Because a player who is averaging 15 a game, shooting 40% from three, that dude's going to get paid. Even if it is a, a, you know, a big summer in terms of available players in 2021, people will miss out on wings, and Powell will, be, will become a second or third or fourth tier option, and he's still going to get paid. Like There's, there's going to be cap space available. I don't know if gambling money is going to come in by then, but there should be money around. And, you know, he might just opt out of that 12 million bucks or so that he's due in the final year of his contract at this rate. So it's not so much an asset that I'm or a contract that I'm worried about moving off of anymore. And, you know, I, I'm kind of cool just 
keeping Powell around. He's fun to watch. He's he's been a cool story. He's been a soldier for the Raptors for a long time. He's done a lot of really good things in the postseason. If you come across the Bucks, he's very useful to have because he likes to eat venison. Uh, and so I'm kind of talking myself out of needing to trade for anything because, you know, if you're looking to trade for something, if you're the Raptors, it's probably a wing who can shoot a little bit. Norm is a wing who can shoot a little bit or a lot bit, and it doesn't really seem like all that much of a need anymore. And, you know, that's the thing with this team is it's so balanced. Unless you're getting like a clear superstar upgrade for any one of these guys, like an OG or a Siakam or not a Siakam, like a like an, like an OG or a Norm or an Ibaka or a Gasol, it doesn't really make sense to trade any of them to me because you're not going to get someone who fits as well as they do within the con the, the confines of this team. It just it doesn't really feel like you are. And the upgrades out there, it, it's just not all that attractive to me. Even the Danilo Gallinari thing we talked about last week. That's another one that doesn't make a ton of sense to me at this point, considering, you know, the, the way the team is constructed. Maybe you could, you know, flip a Baca for him and then you can have that sort of three, four, five of Siakam, Gallinari, and, and Gasol. But at the same time, Gallinari is not the defender that a Baca is and doesn't offer the same stability to a second unit that uh, that a Baca can if I would assume they're going to go back to the regular starting five with the Raptors at some point once they get Fred back and, you know, you'll have a Baca off the bench as usual. And that center, the combo they have at center is really tough to go away from, I think. And so it's an interesting trade deadline, man. It's a really fascinating thing. We talked about this with Chris Manning earlier this week, and I'm more and more talking myself into the Raptors, maybe not having to do anything and just sort of stamp at this is a really good team as is. Can they win a title? Probably not. Uh, you know, the West is really tough. I don't think they can beat like a LeBron Lakers or the Clippers or something in the finals. You know, if the Jazz make it there, maybe they could beat the Jazz. Uh, and, and I guess that's possible considering the way Utah's playing. And, I, you know, it's still the beating the Bucks is going to be a really tall order. The Milwaukee's awesome. And Giannis in particular, Giannis kind of papers over all of my other concerns with that team because he's so fucking good. You know, Bledsoe and Budenholzer might not be able to stop him from walking to the finals. And so if the ceiling is not necessarily a finals appearance and it's more, you know, hoping to get to the conference finals, I think this team as is with the way Powell's playing and at full health can make the conference finals as is. And I'm kind of talking myself into not really needing anything at the deadline to alter the chemistry, which this team clearly has. I mean, they stepped into it for the first time with Gasol and almost full health in, in like a month and boom, they were really good right away and firing on all, on all cylinders against the Thunder for the first half. And even in the second half, I mean, they still put up 60-something points in the second half, if I recall, or 50, nearly, nearly 60. Still pretty damn good. And so, I uh, yeah, I'm cool to just be patient. Ride it out. See what happens the next couple of weeks, I suppose. If more injury concerns pop up or they really start to roll here and it becomes like, oh, maybe they can actually make a finals because Siakam's averaging 30 a game for the next eight games and you're thinking, oh, maybe he can do it for you. Then maybe you change your approach towards the deadline. But for now, the standing pat to me seems like kind of the move. And uh, I feel like that's probably a good place to leave it. Thank you so much for tuning in. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to me. And uh, I'll be back again on Friday. And we're going to run part two of the conversation with myself and Joel Wolfond about Mike James. Really fun episode. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to the first part from yesterday. And tomorrow will be the, the exciting conclusion where we continue on with the greatest media availability in the history of the Raptors, where Mike James went seven minutes about how awesome he is. And dude, he's right. He's awesome and was kind of ahead of his time in a lot of ways. So 
That's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Please check out the rest of the Lockdown Podcast Network, all the NBA shows. The NBA is picking up here as college football is winding down and the NFL season is winding down and the NBA is about to take center stage. Get reacquainted. If you have not been watching a lot of NBA this season, you've been bogged down in football or whatever it is, go listen to the local shows and listen to the national show and listen to Hollinger and Duncan and listen to all of the shows we offer on the Lockdown Podcast Network. So, That's going to do it. Thank you so much, and we will talk to you on Friday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.